if I can get this thing to go. Come on now. What am I doing wrong? Yeah, I'm a computer. I'm, I'm in the technical world. I, I, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it said it's in progress. Oh, it does? Yeah, that's what mine said. I pressed got it. Mine's saying paused. Oh. Okay. Okay. Hey guys, it's Coach Tim, SEO Coach Tim Football. And I'm Jack today because I've got Hugh Jackson, the new Grambling football coach. And he's here to share with us. Uh, he's here to bottle his his excellence for us so that we can get some of those those uh, Hugh Jackson pills. So, hey, Hugh, welcome to the show. I appreciate you being here. Tim, it's an honor and a pleasure. It, 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 it's same here. I, I'm, I'm Jack for you. And I'm really happy for your new job. I'm, I've, I've loved watching you over the years. Uh, what's cool about an old friend and that's public like yourself is you get to get to see what they're doing all the time. And even though it, people are busy and they don't get to talk. So I really appreciate you. So help me out here. So uh, just to kind of quickly catch up to now, you, you, you're a husband, right? Mm-hmm. You're a father, family man, a professional football coach entrepreneur i think i saw some entrepreneurial stuff going on when oh, you were taking that time off right you got your yes, own you did. your own mm-hmm. wine company and tequila tequila oh wow that could be dangerous <laughs> for me uh okay and you are the new grambling football coach and for those uh that we have because we don't we have a diverse audience uh business people uh people from the coaching community of course and then also people just interested in mindset and being better. So what I'm really looking at is, is how to model your processes, model, get a little glimpse in there of what makes you uh, the difference that makes the difference. So, so welcome. Let's, let's just start this off where at the beginning, what got you started in football? Well, I, I think when you, when I, when I walk back through my career, my journey, I should say, um, I was always uh, just in love with football, you know, obviously played it at the highest levels in high school, um, had aspirations just like any young kid. When you're playing high school football, you see yourself playing in the National Football League someday, um, then went to the University of Pacific with you and realized that I wasn't going to be a player, but I loved the game so much. I wanted to stay connected to it. So I got involved in coaching. And so coaching has really kind of fashioned my life in such a way uh, to give me some unbelievable opportunities. I've coached some unbelievable players and been around some unbelievable people, but there's been a process to getting there. Very cool. Um, once you left Pacific, can you go through a quick uh, kind of resume of, of spots that you went to? I think you started at Pacific as a GA and then ended up in Europe, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I, well, I started at Pacific as a GA, as you just mentioned, left Pacific, went to Cal State Fullerton. Oh, did and you really? Cal- yeah. And I didn't know Cal that. State Fullerton. Yeah, I went from Cal State Fullerton to Europe. Okay. And then after Europe, back to Cal State, Cal State Fullerton. And then okay. from Cal State Fullerton to Arizona State, from Arizona State to Cal, from Cal to USC. And then after USC, I started my um, NFL, um, my my NFL run. That is that is awesome. Um, 
and impressive. I mean, it's it's quite a diverse uh, uh, experience level that you that you've been through. Let's get into some of the 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 nitty gritty here. Right off the top, do you believe? I assume you do, because this is your career. That football is important for young men of all ages, and why is that? I really do believe that football is really important because it teaches a couple of things. It teaches team because you're involved in a team, but it also challenges you to push yourself to limits you never thought you could go to. And it teaches so many mental and physical things that I think a person needs to stay uh, sharp, to stay committed, to stay determined, to, to, to fashion desire in order to be something. And it brings value to your life. I, it really does. Yeah. Um, and is that that's true at, at you know a kid level right but you're dealing mm -hmm. with with college guys now and and you've dealt with grown men right i mean mm -hmm. what, what, what's mm -hmm. the oldest guy you've ever coached Let me, i gotta ask that. the oldest guy i probably ever coached was 36 37 wow stan stan gilbaugh in the world league yeah that's classic so what let me ask you this what's the difference in a guy that old Versus the guy just coming into the league, NFL or a pro, at, at what twenty two maybe or mm -hmm. something like that. Mm -hmm. there, there's a lot of difference, right, in maturity. Oh yeah, the older veteran has learned what it takes from a skill part of it to to make himself special, to have his value within the organization. The young player that's drafted, he's drafted on the team for a skill level that he brings to the team. And he's looking for the next contract. He yeah. has to find his way in order to, from a, from a mental, physical, emotional, spiritual capacity on how to get inside of that locker room with real grown men whose futures and families and their mothers and fathers and uncles and aunties depend on what this young rookie does. So the young rookie is seen as the wild coat that comes in. He's the savior of everything. And some of them are. And the veteran is there to kind of help shape him and show him the way on how to become a pro. Interesting. Um, here's a question. I don't I don't think we I didn't just discuss earlier. Um, there's a thing in the NFL of the 87 percent. Right. Um, mm -hmm. And how do we as coaches change that? Because or, or doesn't need changing. Um, they're professionals and it's their problem afterwards. But I mean, if we are to care about individuals long term, what can we do? You do and your 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 friends, and, and I say we because but I'm I'm a youth guy. What could the youth do? Because I see that the game needs some some serious help locally uh in 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 at the youth level it's sort of in disarray uh and i would say maybe uh from a a, a goal oriented way a way to 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 use football not just so hey little johnny in the eighth grade or seventh grade someday you're going to play in the league Right. And there's guys saying that at, at that age, the coaches are saying that, which 
I've always steered away from any of that. Just have big goals and, you know, that's enough for an eighth grader to know about. But, mm-hmm. and that's causing uh, what I would call corruption on the lower levels that are unprecedented to when we were growing up. So uh, without getting too airy-fairy and too, you know, spiritual and religious and all that kind of stuff, what can we do at all levels to start making this thing uh, last? Because it is important. It, it, it okay. makes, right? Absolutely, Tim. It's, it's very important. But I think you just said it. It's become so comp- competitive at the younger levels to where it's really about making your son the next Tom Brady or creating a next Odell Beckham Jr. We forget about the, the learning the understanding the game, uh, respecting the game, uh, trying to become good at what we do, the, even the struggle, the hard work that it takes. You know, I've seen parents take kids out of one team because he's not getting any reps over here and move them over to another team because they think they're going to get reps and they still didn't get any reps. <laughs> you know, so we, we got to make sure that the parents first are educated and understand that every kid is not going to turn into the next NFL top player or the next even college player. I mean, because there's so many steps to get there. And as you know, injuries and things happen. Let's make sure that we're still teaching our kids about education, understanding what sports brings to the table, but making sure that we keep sports in its rightful place where it belongs. And if a kid is talented enough to get there, great. But if he isn't, he shouldn't lose value because he doesn't make it, or there shouldn't be any mental health issues because he doesn't make it. It shouldn't be that your parents don't like you any less because you didn't become a professional player or a college player. They're still children and there are children and we got to pour the right things into them. And they still are right. I think a, a man's brain doesn't stop uh, growing or maturing or whatever. Uh, as as one of my wife's friends likes to remind me all the time, um, that until they're like twenty five or six or something, right? Mm-hmm. No, and they don't. I mean, my brain is still growing, <laughs> learning. You know, amen, brother. <laughs> on how that. many more years? How many more years I have on this thing? But I'm always trying to stay as sharp as I can and trying to learn new things and adapt. And uh, there's new things I've learned that I don't want to do. And there's new things I've learned that I'm excited to do. But I think we're all trying to learn and get better and grow. And I think you never want to stop doing that. One of my greatest teachers, and it's a little off subject, the reason why I feel that way, because being around Al Davis, to the day he passed, he never lost his faculties. And the man was brilliant. We could have conversations about football. I'm talking about the minute details of the game. He never lost that. And so I hope to, to, to model that as I get older, that I can still talk the way I talk now. And not, I might not look the same, but I still want to be able to have those kind of conversations. Oh, that's precious. I, I appreciate that nugget. Because my next question was uh, that we all, I've always said we, I stand, whatever I've got is from standing on the, um, the shoulders of, of other coaches and also guys like you that I've met over the years that I've, I've had access to that have impacted me, players that I've played with. Well, who, who are some of the guys? You just named one. Who, name, name some other ones that uh, have impacted you and, and uh, led you and, and, you, and you, drive, you, you drive from every day. 
Right. right. There's so there's so many I'm sure. that I've come across. You know, I got to go back and start with the Bruce Snyder's of the world and the John Robinson's of the world and then the Marty Schottenheimer's of the world and the John Harbaugh's and the Al Davis's on to who is my best, best friend, Marvin Lewis, you know, who has really shown me a whole different world. And in this world, what I think people need to realize, you need a team of people. You can't do it by yourself. And you you take little pieces of things from people, not that you emulate them or you become them. It's just things that you add to who you are, the man you want to be or the woman you want to be. And you understand what's right and what's wrong. And you try to find a way to find your niche because it should be it should be authentic. It should come from you. It doesn't have to come from anybody else. But I think you're going to run into people that impact you in such a way that you won't forget it. And they will impact you mentally. They'll impact you emotionally. They'll impact you physically. And I think that's part of what life's challenges are. And, and that's really the, in essence, the value of football. And it sounds to me like you're you're living it. I mean, truly, you're not just a, a figurehead. You're you're living the football lifestyle. That's awesome. I first off, before we go any further, I I wanted to uh, mention uh, Scotty Moe. Who used to throw footballs to at, at Pacific? Mm-hmm. He says hello. I talked to him this morning. Yeah, I got it. Yeah, I know. I know. Um, so my, I, I have calling question, uh, mm-hmm. so to speak. Colin, um, are you ready for the first one? Yeah, bring okay. it on. The the first question comes from a good pal of mine, uh, a mentor in many ways, Coach Chris Parr, uh, a lifetime local youth and high school football coach here in the South Bay in LA, and he's currently serving on the board of the prestigious Inglewood Youth Football League. And he asked, he has a couple questions, man, he wrote, I asked him this morning, he gave me a laundry list. Um, but he says, uh, number one, do you feel that black coaches get a fair opportunity in the NFL? So no, I don't. I'll be the first to answer that. And I'll answer that very quickly. Uh, this is a 101-year history of the National Football League, and there's only been 19 minority head coaches. So minority. that tells you minority, minority, not even just not blacks, yes. not minority. Yeah, minority. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So that tells you something. I mean, that's a problem. A 101-year history, and we're only talking about 19. And I've done it twice, and so it's hard. And I think it's unfortunate that we haven't jumped those big barriers to where there's no problems that way now and they still exist and they will until people really dive in and understand what the problems are and i think that's where the biggest problem is we don't know what the problems are you know we kind of say we do but we don't it's just my opinion that's one man's opinion and uh it will be my opinion until i see it change but i just don't think we do enough of understanding the past to understand what we need to do in the future what is the mix, uh, uh, if you're going to be look at a, a, an NHC as a representation, uh, shouldn't it be a representation of the populace of the team? So I'm going to ask you, because I, I don't even know, but I imagine it's the majority of the teams are black. So Absolutely. That was, it's, it's, it's flipped the other way in, in, as far as players. It's 70% minority and 30%. Yes. And okay. so it's totally, so makes, and now it's the other way. Why wouldn't it, then, then why wouldn't it, it be black? Is there a, uh, just to kind of think it through, is there some sort of uh, delay, 
you know, are there is 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 uh, is college are colleges starting to to get more talent blackwise or no? It's just as bad in college. It's just as it's bad. just the it's just the world we live in. It, it's it's might be even a little worse in college because wow. there's more there's more numbers. You know, Dude, so right, right. Do you have uh, any solution in mind other than just start hiring? You know, purely just saying I'm going to hire a black guy. Is no, that I do. I do. I've made this. Um, this is not new. I, I went and spoke to a committee that asked me the same question. And I said, first of all, we need to go back and start and look at the history and where it started. Minority men were first. They weren't even able to play, let alone coach. It took to get an injunction for the first minority player to ever play in a National Football League. It was almost 40 years after that before the first minority head coach was a head coach. So let's just be honest, that wasn't seen as right. I mean, men of color were not seen as coaches and that we're not going to be in leadership positions. So to me, if you're going to fix it, now is the time to be more intentional. So the only way to do that is if there's four jobs open, you got to give two to minority coaches, two to Caucasian coaches, because we have a way of making sure that we check and balance everything else. So the league implemented the taking the head out of the game, right? So because of concussions and they went and did a four-year study and it showed that this is true. The more you work at taking your head out, concussions go down. Well, why can't we do the same when it comes to minority hiring? There's going to be some guys that do really well. There's going to be some guys that don't do well, but at least you'll have the data to look and say, we're trending and moving in the right direction. And more than that, everything would look fair. And to me, that's truly what it's all about, appearing to be fair. Perfect. Perfect. I appreciate that. Um, uh, I think you just kind of answered it, but um, how do you feel about the Rooney rule having to be established in order for black coaches to get an opportunity to be interviewed? Well, there it is. I mean, why do we have to, why do we have to have a rule? I mean, that within itself tells you that there is a problem. And to me, and people don't want to even admit that. So you're telling me there was a problem because you're telling me I have to implement something to make you interview. I didn't say hire. I say interview a man of color. Okay. So you've already oh, telling yeah, me, yeah, yeah. you're already telling me that we're not on the same playing field. <laughs> and it's not, it's not level. So we know through all of these hirings, there's going to be some outliers. I mean, whether I was an outlier or Martin Lewis or whoever, there were some outliers that made it because maybe it was time they needed to make sure that somebody made it. But at the same time, I just don't think that's fair. And I think we, that's already a problem before you ever walk into the situation. It's already baked in. Absolutely. Um, so to play devil's advocate, uh, shouldn't the best coach be chosen? So the implication, <laughs> the implication is that, is that, well, there's no black best coaches, right? If I say that, but mm-hmm. there are. Oh yeah, um, they are. But just like there's best white coaches. I mean, Let's let's be honest. I mean, I think it's if you look at where all the coaches are housed in the National Football League or even in college football, you know, minority coaches, coach running backs, wide receivers, defensive backs, linebackers. Oh, no way. That's Oh, yes, it is. There's only three. There's only three minority quarterback coaches in all the National Football League today. Really? So, yeah. So where are they going to come from? Okay. That's what the problem. That's what the problems are. So okay. my point is, so it's a reverse discrimination. So 
you're telling me a, a Caucasian coach can't coach the running backs or the wide receivers or the defensive backs or the linebackers. That's not true. So it, 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 like you said, it's been baked in and that's the way it's been. So I've always said this to people just because it's been right and everybody sees it as right. Don't mean it is just because you've been doing it this way for so many years. It doesn't mean that that's the right thing to do. So when are you going to change this? When are you going to really stick some teeth into this and make a difference by saying, wait a minute, this is not right. We need to flip all of this and make it better. Wow. Wow. That's deep. I, I didn't know we were going to go there. That's good stuff, man. I, I appreciate it. Um, who, uh, so Chris also asked, who guided you to be the offensive girl guru that you are today? <laughs> who guided me to be offensive guru? I don't know that anybody guided me. I, I always give a lot of credit to John Gruden because he taught me football. I was a wishbone quarterback, as you know. And when John Gruden came to town, I'll never forget him bringing me in the office. He had me get on the board. I wrote something up. It was totally wrong. And I never did. He told me, he says, if you stay we're here with me, every night we'll grind and I'll teach you football. And that's what we did. And when you start to get that thirst, you become hungry for more. Yeah. And that's the reason why I really left Pacific to go to Cal State Fullerton. I wanted to learn because I, I had so much knowledge. I wanted to go share with somebody else. I was done sharing with the guys I was with. I needed more. So I needed an audience to watch me share what I knew. And it seemed like they were really into it because they didn't know what I knew. So that became the, the charge for me. And so you start learning and picking up things as you go. But at the end, it's got to become who you are. And so yeah, I you got to internalize way. it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I became I, it became my offense, and so I'm proud of that. Good for you. That's that's brilliant. And how cool! At the start of your career, you get to get mentored by John Gruden. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's I didn't even know he was at Pacific, honestly, because I had yeah. gone by that time. And and so, um, do you uh, do you? Uh, uh, what are your plans to restore Grambling State University to its prominence? Oh, as fast as I can, because I truly believe it should be. Uh, we need to change the culture. I mean, you go back and look at its history, and I'm a big history buff that way. And I have one of the greatest teachers to learn from is Eddie Robinson, one of the greatest coaches that's ever coached, you know, whether it was my HBCUs, it didn't matter. He won more games than anybody. And so, to be able to come behind him and walk in those shoes and walk down that hill into the hole and coach in an environment where this guy used to coach, you yes. better believe that there's, there's a lot of pressure on me to get this right. They didn't hire me just for fun. They hired me to get the culture right and to get to winning. So I'm doing any and everything that I can to produce that. And it's truly about one, educating our players about the history making sure our, our players do great in class and then make sure that we're doing great on the football field. I, when I saw that you got the job, the first thing I thought of is you in his shoes. And I, as a, as a teammate, I was proud. I was like, wow, man, <laughs> huge, man. Um, I got another question. You good for another one? No, yeah, absolutely. This is from, uh, Al Smith and Al, I'm going to show you something. I didn't show this is a surprise. This picture, okay, that's Pacific Stadium. Let me uh line up here. Uh, that's Pacific Stadium. That's Al Smith 
who was at Utah State at the time. And if I can get my big fat head out of the way, where are you? No. Are you, are you, did it show up? Oh, there you are. I, yeah. I don't know which. Okay. You're the quarterback of Pacific right <laughs> there. The so I just wanted yeah. to put this together. And uh, Big Al played for uh, Utah State, as you see there. He played Houston Oilers for 10 years and in the front office over with the Titans for a long time. So first question he asked for you is, what was it like playing against me? <laughs> <laughs> wow well i mean al's still a good friend today matter of fact he has a son who's also a football player and i wanted to recruit his son his son i think is going to go play at tennessee state and i see al a lot he came out to practice quite a bit first of all he's a phenomenal man great family but what a football player he was but on that particular night that night tim we gave them the business okay yes, we won this game and yes, i never forget having a big run for a touchdown. Uh, but he was physical, fast, tough, just like he was in the National Football League, one of the best players, one of the best linebackers I've ever played against. Uh, but uh, he is a tremendous man, and and I'm glad to call him friend. That's awesome. Did, did you ever uh, coach against him as a player? Yes, many a times. And he was whooping our tails. <laughs> How do you prepare uh, for different individuals? Uh, well, you, you do everything you can to understand their strengths and weaknesses, you know, obviously. Um, and that's that's the whole thing about the National Football League. The detailed coaching is on a whole different level because of the matchups that you have. It's such a matchup game. You know, it's Al Smith against the offense and the offensive coordinator and this particular quarterback. You know, that's what people don't understand. The teams, the defenses in the National Football League are trying to defeat the quarterback. Because they beat the quarterback, they win the game. Mm. Okay. And you take their best players out of the game. So if there's a skilled receiver, they're going to do everything they can to not let him have his best day or a skilled running back or tight end. And when those guys are having a great day, like last night, Kansas City Chiefs got. Okay. Then you scratch your head and say, what didn't we do? You know, because that guy shouldn't beat you. Somebody else should beat you. If you lose by somebody else winning, you can live with that. But if you lose with that guy beating you, then that's a problem. Interesting, interesting. Um, he had another question. Maybe you can go into more detail on it. He asked, uh, is there any added pressure coaching at such a prestigious university? Um, what? How are you, if I can dig into his question a little more, how do you, uh, how do you prepare? Right now, you just got there, right? Mm -hmm. How do You, you got to move. You got to do all that stuff. How does somebody in your position prepare taking over a program and, and adding in those things that, that you're talking about? I think you have to have a process. You have to have a process, you know, and you have to make sure what's important to you. And there's a lot of things that are important to me. One is making sure we create the right environment for our players. I'm really big that when you change coaches, you got to change things. And sometimes that means even changing people. You got to change colors of locker rooms. You got to change. Nothing should look the same because there's a change. And I think when things are the same, guys become comfortable and they fall right back into the comfort of the losing. And Old I just habits. don't. Yes. And I yeah. don't believe in that. So I change things very quickly. I already flipped the locker room for offense and defense. I, you, you just have to. I mean, oh, geez. My thing is, uh, my power thing is not working very well. It's uh, dying. I might have to put it on my phone. Um, it's just, that's what you do. And so you have to change things. You change coaches. 
you change routines, you change mindsets. You got to erase the tape and start over, you know, because there's there's a new thing coming. So and you got to feel comfortable being able to do that. So are you in the full scale recruiting already? Oh, yes, sir. Yeah, I hit the ground running. Yes. sir. How, how are you? Uh, you know, I'm, I'm a youth coach. I don't know these things. So how do you mm-hmm. know who to go after? Well, everybody has a list to start with. But what's what's important for me is I have a profile of what I want, what I want a player to be at every position. And that's what we look for. I don't think talent fits everywhere. I think you have to find what fits your style of offense, defense, and special teams. That's the way you're going to have success. Now, there are outliers, no question. But you have to go get what you need to be successful, not what somebody else thinks you need to be successful. Um, you, you're getting into this, and it's perfect for the next question. Uh, we hear people in coaching talk about philosophy. I think Pete Carroll's big on that, another Pacific guy, mm-hmm. by the way. Um, and uh, you hear core values. You hear the pyramid from John Wooden. And I think everything comes from John Wooden, if I had to guess. But what what is your philosophy? What And, and how does that go into the culture? You, I think you mentioned culture that you want to create. Oh, yeah. Well, I think culture is everything. You get culture before you ever get wins. And we're a disciplined group on and off the field, first and foremost. If, I, I, if guys can't do the little things, they're not going to do the big things on the field. That is so true. You know, and there's guys who just love football, don't want to go to class. But that guy loves football. I guarantee you at some point in time in the second quarter or the fourth quarter, he's going to miss something because he can't follow through. So we have a set of things that are important. It's discipline. It's effort. It's grit. I'm looking for gritty guys. I want to create grit and I want to create toughness every chance I can within my program and competition. Competition breeds a lot of those things that we're talking about. So a player is put under a certain amount of stress to find out if he can handle it because it's tough and everybody can't do it, but I need to know who can and who can't. Uh do you uh, do you have a, a, a list or, or a checklist of core values or anything like that that that, that equates to that uh, that that culture? Oh, how does it all, how does it all fit together? To me, it fits together. And I Tim, I think I need to go on this other side because this thing's going to die because it won't take my cord. I had the so same thing happen to me the other day. <laughs> so I'm going to turn this one off. Uh, you got to let me in. Oh. So you're a pro at this. (laughs) Uh, Okay, we're recording. Yeah. Can you hear me now? Yeah. So I think, um, yeah, yeah. No, we have a a real checklist of things. And it's, um, you know, obviously it starts with guys being accountable and being on time. And, And first of all, you put those guys through that test. Then it becomes the the thought process of how they do things each and every day. So you create a routine for a player. And if a player will fall out of that routine, he's probably not for us. Okay. The Mm. player who, who doesn't get up in the morning because he felt a little sick and wouldn't go to class. He's probably not for me. Um, I'm a real stickler on do what you mean, do what you say and make sure you get it done that way. And if you don't, And I'm the same way with our coaches. There's no different. You know, you have to have that kind of mentality. And I will tell you this, Tim, it takes a lot of effort 
So, so people don't understand the head coaches, they travel a lonely road. You know, you're not, you're not one of the boys, right. you know, because you, you, you're part of the group, but you're above the group. So you can't let things slide. And, and the buck stops with me when it comes to everything. It's like right now, I can give you a little story. We're recruiting players and the coaches are saying, well, let's offer this guy based on, and I've had a couple of coaches offer guys. And I go, whoa, 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 whoa. No, I have to see the player and make that offer because it's going to be the player that I have to sign off on. You may like him. I may not. That may be something in the ointment that I'm just not wanting. And guys have to understand that. And that's how it works. And it seems like you're micromanaging, but you're not. I'm creating the right environment for all involved so we don't fall off the cliff. That's interesting because that's that gets into to management, right? Yes. You're, the, yeah. you're a CEO of your business right there, mm-hmm. right? I've mm-hmm. often said that, that, uh, that a lot of co- professional coaches – uh, are at it at college or or NFL are in many ways better business people than business people mm-hmm. uh, in the in the attention to detail and and so many like you said before micro uh, trainings and and disciplines that you have to pay attention to uh, is your style different than uh, any of your uh, bosses that you worked for as an HC when you're the assistant, you got a little bit of a different uh, buck stops here than versus you having as an assistant, a lot of, uh, a lot of uh, leeway where you can, you can make your, a lot of decisions. Where's it begin and end? I'm I'm sure it is a little different. I think it begins with what kind of team you have. Do you have a veteran team? A guys who's been through the wars that understand and the guys who are you have great leadership within your team or do you have a team and normally when you take over a team you're there because the culture is bad you know there's things that just aren't working and so there's been little silos you know made within groups and so you have to break those down and you have to make sure there's no silos that go on and the only way i know to do that is have singleness of purpose you know here it is. This is how it's done. This is how we do it. This is not how you do it. This is how we do it. And this is the way it's going to be done. And when you have a leader that will demand that, that will make sure and hold people accountable to that, in my mind, great things happen. When did you develop that mentality? Over time. You know, I think, uh, you know, when you get your first opportunity to coordinate, you work for, I've worked for some extremely good head coaches and I've learned both ways. And I think my mentality, because of the role that I play in, because I take it a little bit deeper when I talk about being uh, one of the 19 in 101 year history, you have to take that really seriously because I'm carrying the weight of not just for me, but I'm carrying the weight for them as well. You know, so and I never time, thought of that, by the way, I, I didn't, yeah. I, I appreciate you saying that because I had never, yeah. as a white guy that never went through my head. So I appreciate right. you saying that. That's okay. So my time in Cleveland was difficult, very difficult because you're losing yeah. regardless of what the reason is you're losing. And you're, you know, that you're carrying that next coach that has a chance. And for people to say, well, no, they're not going to look at him that way. Oh, yes, they are. Because there's not been very many of us anyway. So they're going to look at him that way. So it's really tough when those things happen that way and you have to find a way to reprogram yourself to get on the other side of it. 
Uh, are you a player's coach? Whatever that means. I'm, I'm, yeah, whatever that means. I think I'm a little bit of both. You know, I think I'm, um, I think I'm a little bit of both. Uh, that's what it is. I'm a player's coach when it comes to making sure if they need something, I'm there to help and assist. I'm not a player's coach Coach, when I'm sticking my foot square up their butt, you know, because they're not playing well. Right. And I have no problem telling the best player you're playing like crap to the last player you're playing like crap, because at the end of the day, it's a performance-based business. Um, what? That's probably a little bit different on the pro side versus the college side, correct or no? I, well, on the pro side, I know they tell them because they have to. Um, on the college side, this portal is creating a headache for coaches because if I don't play and if I don't like what you say, I can go get in the portal and go someplace else where somebody's going to take my crap. And so I just, I don't care. I mean, I'm going to be me and do it the way I do it. And hopefully our players appreciate it and understand it. And if I lose because all the guys jumped into the portal, then this wasn't for me, you know, because we're going to do it the right way. Amen on that. Um, how do you go about then, especially now with the portal and all this craziness? Oh, it's already been tough. How do you go about motivating a player? What 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 is your process to to get people going? I think you create the environment every day. You can't motivate anybody if you're not motivated yourself, right? So first, you you got to bring it yourself so they they can and want to be motivated. You know, it's not just some speech right before practice or after practice you know it's it's your passion it's who you are each and every day that they see that that determination that desire that discipline of doing it every day that man coach is not going to be up and down he's going to be consistent he has an expectation and we got to meet it every day um do do, is there a mindset that you sort for when you're recruiting? Can you pick that kid out that has that motivation? Oh, yeah. I had a kid just recently sit in my office who was struggling, um, come from a tough background, um, has some little brothers and sisters. Um, and I remember offering him a scholarship and watching his face as the tears rolled down. Really? And yeah, and he may not even go to Grambling. He may go to Alabama where he's a five star, but to put to feel his closeness and his heart told me that this kid's going to make it because he's been so determined to be the best at what he's done. Cause he's been through so much. He, in my mind, he sees his way out as football and that's all he knows. And that's all he's going to make happen. So I get it, you know, and sometimes that is the only avenue for certain guys. I respect that. I had the the uh, benefit of uh, no, meeting and knowing uh, Jim Mora for a couple of years. So I had a lot of access. I had him on the podcast uh, a couple of years back, coached his kid. That's why. But one of the things I asked him uh, was about the uh, is there a ceiling? And he, the way he said it, the way he sets it in his head was um, on a ceiling on ability. He goes, there's tangibles and intangibles, which I imagine would resonate with you. I mean, some guys like Al Smith in the picture, I mean, he was benching 315, I think, sophomore year in high school. 
Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just, you know, I couldn't match that. Right. No matter mm-hmm. how I mean, he was born with certain testosterone. I don't know what it is, but the intangibles, what can you do to make a guy better than what he is? When I come in as an 18 year old player or whatever it is, age, when I leave grambling, how do I get how much besides just natural and that, but how do I use this to get better? Is there a way? Oh, and there's a way because you're going to walk into grambling as a young man. And I appreciate the parents that are going to allow us to have their sons and trust us with their sons or daughters. But when they leave, when they do leave, they're going to be men because we're going to create the right environment for them to be men. And you don't create men with the sweetheart approach. You create men with the tough approach and you make it hard. And it's got to be very hard because life is hard and you have to give them those examples. And I'm a living example of it. I I grew up on 52nd and Hoover. Uh, I grew up in a gang infested area. I worked my tail off. I had a brother that went to prison. I seen it all. I mean, I've, I've witnessed anything and everything that you can think about, but I never got away from what I wanted to accomplish. And I still didn't know what it was, but I knew it was going to be something better than what I saw. And I just knew that there was a right and a wrong. And if I did wrong and you get on the other side of the law, you might not make it back. And if you do right, you have a chance to have good things happen in your life. And so that's the first thing is right and wrong and how not to lie and be held accountable and do things the right way and understand there's consequences, legitimate consequences when you do things wrong. You know, you can lose your job. You can lose an opportunity. You can lose your life if you don't handle things right. And so football is not life and death, but football is as close to a battlefield as you can get in real time. Man, how do I sign, coach? (laughs) (laughs) I want to play for you. Uh, hey, uh, so I, that takes me to the next question. Uh, pretend I'm a, a top five star. And you just said, I wasn't sure if I was using, when I did the, the question, if I was constructing the right, uh, measuring stick. So uh, there is a five star, but let me go there. What's the difference between a five star and a four star and a three star? If there are, I don't, know. I don't know. I don't care about stars. I care about, can they play for me? <laughs> You know, do they have, do they, can they play football at a high level for me? And to me, that's what matters to me more than anything. That's awesome. So I got a five star. I'm a kid. I'm 18 years old and uh, I'm getting heavily recruited. I'm Alabama. Since you mentioned it is calling. What, why should I go to Grambling? Okay. Here's, here's your elevator pitch. How, how, why should I go to Grambling? Especially I'm a white guy and all I've heard about Grambling is black dudes. Mm-hmm. Because we, we, first of all, we don't see color. We see a football player and a person and we're going to create an environment for you. There it goes. We're going to create an environment for you to be the best you can be on and off the field. And that is what we're truly all about. We're really about growing our men, creating great men that when they leave Grambling, that they're prepared to handle any and everything that happens in the world, that you will have experienced the highs, the lows, the whatever you want to call it in between right here. Okay. Whether it's in the weight room, on the field, in the classroom, or away from the classroom. 
And we're going to walk you through each and every one of them. And the only thing that will get you on the other side of this where you lose our, our help is if you don't have effort for it. You have no stomach for it. It's not important to you. Then, then we will move on. But other than that, we are giving you one of these pieces of gold because we think you have the characteristics that we look for in G men, that you're tough, that you're accountable, that you, you're a hard worker, that you understand that there is team, that nothing is above or beyond the team. And if you can handle those things, you can come play for us. Where's the paper, coach? I'm signing <laughs> right now, baby. Hey, let, let's end this a little lighter. Um, I remember you, you said something earlier, and I remember, and I've told for years, by the way, this story, and I, it's obviously not true, but it's a cool story. And I remember that LaShawn Wells and myself threw a party because mm-hmm. a bunch of recruits were coming. And so let's have a big party and have fun and blah, blah, blah. And, uh, and Hugh Jackson was there and I remember talking with you and one of the things you you were very transparent, you're talking about growing up in LA and your brother and, and also again, memory's fuzzy. I'm getting old, but you said something to the effect, I think that you like to go fishing with your dad. Mm -hmm. True. Very true. That's right. So I'm going to ask you, what do you do in your, in your off time? I know you guys are, you college guys and pro guys are busy like all the time, but when you take some time, what do you, what do you like to do? I like to really go lay on a beach. I have really begun to enjoy that as I've gotten a little older, just the calmness of hearing the water really takes me to a place of relaxation. And I just think as I've gotten older, I used to be go work out two times a day. It's got to be really enjoy me, you know, don't, it's not about looking this part or doing that, man. It's about making sure you're in a good place mentally, physically, and emotionally and ready to handle because it's a long season is, is tiring. There's ups and downs. There's stress, pressure, all that. You have to be able to deal with that at a high level. That's beautiful. What would you tell 19-year-old Huey that he should do in life and in the future? Listen more. Really stop to listen. I was always, I'm going to show you. Uh, I think listening more, I would have found more clues on how to be even better than what I am today. I was, I'm a type A personality. I know that. I'm an alpha and I'm going to go smash it. And, you know, I, I have some cerebral in me as well, but I really, I'm going to go attack it. You know, and that's just who I've been all my life. But I've learned in my older years now to slow down a little bit, really listen and see things for what they are. And, and then let's make a decision. Um, I had another question. I'm going to change it. Mid-stream. Now, Tim, um, I got Tim, Tim, not to cut you off, but I got to go in a minute because I have an ESPN spot. I have to. Do. Oh, well, they're more important. Um, <laughs> no, they're not. No, they're not. <laughs> Real, my last AD, question. My AD will say it's important. <laughs> last question. Um, yes. What would what would you tell your 12-year-old cousin who wants to be like you to do? Do it. Go, go do it. Go be the best you of me that you can be. Don't mean you're going to be me. You got to do it within your own personality and with your own thought process. But don't let anybody tell you that you can't be. 
there's a whole bunch of head potential future head coaches that's going to watch this. And if that's what you want, don't let anybody tell you that you can't go be it. Hey, Jackson, you are an inspiration. I appreciate you and all you do. You keep doing it and have a very successful time at Grambling. They're thank lucky you. to have you, sir. Thank you, Tim. And I'm lucky to have you as a friend. So oh, thank, thank you. you. Thank you so all much. Right.